It's about time because we're going there. Do you have that one friend that just makes everything very practical? Yes, we love those friends. Today, we get to have one of my dear friends, Allie Worthington, back on the show. She's been on the show before, and what I love is that this woman has a guilt-free way of making things so practical and strips away so many myths, whether it's professionally, spiritually, or in this case, from a parental perspective. I love that she's gonna have some honest conversations about what it means to be a woman and also take care of yourself, but specifically for mothers out there. Now, I know that not everyone who listens to this podcast is a mother, but I just think that her wisdom insight, whether it's on womanhood, friendship, or motherhood, is really insightful. According to some recent research that Barna has put out, it states that 80% of women are stressed out, 70% are tired, and 56% of parents are overcommitted. So if you feel overwhelmed, worried, stressed, overstimulated, tired, or just strung out by the demands of taking care of others and not even yourself, guess what? Author, life and business coach, and personal friend of mine, Allie Worthington, believes that we can take care of ourselves and not lose who we are while taking care of others. Before we dive into this interview, I want to remind you that there's a resource, Grit Don't Quit. This season, we are talking about resilience, overcoming, what it means to be gritty, and have endurance when life feels overwhelming. I'm sharing this resource with you because I care about you, and what I do believe is that grit is essential to our life. For more information about Grit Don't Quit, of free resources that we're giving away, or even a ton of things that we're giving away online via social media, you can go ahead and click the link in the show notes, or you can follow along on social media at Bianca Oltoff on any form of social media. Friends, let's go ahead and dive into this interview, and I hope you love it as much as I did. Allie, I'm so excited that you are on We're Going There podcast. Thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so... Uh, we both were talking a little bit before this started and I just, I was talking about something that happened to me today. My car got towed and I'm scrambling to make sure that we have this podcast because not only are you a phenomenal communicator and creative and writer, you're also a friend. And I know that I could have texted you and said, Hey, my car got towed. Can we push this back? But I refuse. I refuse because this whole season on the podcast is focusing on resilience. And I'm like, no, I'm going to show up for my friend. We're going to record this podcast and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> One of the things that you and I both have an affinity for is watching movies, and we both like superhero movies, but one superhero character I'm obsessed with is Wonder Woman, and you have said that Wonder Woman is actually a terrible role model for women. So on this conversation, it's definitely going to be women-focused, but will you start there? Will you let us know why you think that Wonder Woman is a terrible role, role model for women? Okay. I do love Wonder Woman. I had a life-changing event in that movie theater, the first Wonder Woman movie, <laughs> when she is crossing no man's land. Yes. She's got the gold cuffs. She's yes. perfect. She's amazing. But here's the thing about Wonder Woman. If we grew up with Wonder Woman as our mother, we would go out in the world and we would not be able to deal with anything. We would have zero resilience. We'd have zero grit because we're used to everything being done for us, everything being perfect. <sighs> We're not used to people having problems. We're not used to people having a bad day. We're not used to bad attitudes. We're not used to failure. We go out in the world and we will wilt when we're exposed to anything else. So growing up with a Wonder Woman, terrible. Wonder Woman in the movies, amazing. 
I didn't even think about that, Allie. I think that that's brilliant, especially because I like literally loved both of the movies. I thought they were phenomenal. Uh, I think that there is this meta narrative in culture when it comes to women, uh, women, and and even motherhood, where you have to be all things to all people. And um, I know that not everyone who listens to the podcast is a mother, but I want you. You have a unique perspective that I feel would we would be doing the audience an injustice if we didn't give the holistic picture. But you are not just a prolific writer and uh, creative and a coach, a mentor, uh, but you're also an an entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, as uh, you were the first person that I ever heard use that term, but um, you're also a mom of not one, not two, not three, not four, but five men, five boys, and um, when, I, when we talk about being all things to all people, I kind of want to want to reverse engineer that. I think you yeah. have, both you and I have had great conversations about women and motherhood specifically and how modern motherhood is broken. How, would, how do you think that that narrative of like what a mom should be, what a woman should be has been pervasive to our culture and what is your remedy? Well, here's the thing. Modern motherhood is broken, but womanhood is broken in our culture. I mean, mm. there, if you look at how we are made to feel, whether we are moms, sisters, wives, you know, whatever it is we're doing in our lives, we're made to feel bad about it. Before I started this project, you know I love data. I sent out a survey, over a thousand women in depth, and I said, hey, you know, what's going on in your life? How are you feeling? How are you doing? And I wanted to find out what made women feel bad. Like what's Ooh. making us feel guilty? What's, okay. what's kind of breaking us? The number one thing, it wasn't our partners, it wasn't our thoughts, it wasn't everything else, it was social media. <gasps> and I love a lot of social media, but you, from that, I started diving into research, how do people feel after they use it? The more social media you use, the worse you feel after. So not only do we have this culture of pressure on us as women, as mothers, as sisters, as whatever it is we're doing, but we also have social media coming at us making us feel like failures all the time because social media is happy shiny wonderful people it is families all together looking great matching outfits even the dog is smiling and real life is getting your car towed and your dog's throwing up on the carpet right like (laughs) your brain cannot cannot look at that and not feel bad it's just the way our brains work so the remedy is to arm ourselves with knowledge to arm ourselves with data. I did tons of research in this project to be like, what what creates an emotionally healthy woman? What gives us an emotionally healthy life? How does that benefit everyone else? Mm. What are the things in life that we actually need? And arm ourselves with that so it's not just everybody else's opinion and it's not just beautiful imagery that's coming at us on social all the time. So I heard this one quote um, and I would love to give proper credit to who said it, but I can't remember, but they said the greatest gift that you can give your loved ones is the healthiest version of you. Um, the project, you mentioned this project, I, I have to talk about, when I say that you're a writer, this, is, um, this isn't just a project, this is literally your livelihood. You are a bona fide writer. We kind of started our writing journeys around the same time, so we to did. see how many books you have birthed out into the world is beautiful. But this particular project, you're speaking to women on motherhood. 
And uh, the reason why I brought up that you are a mom of five is I remember both of us working for an organization and we were the only moms uh, in in, uh, that particular organization, that arm of the organization. And so I would look at you and just how how you handled motherhood, things that would send me in a tizzy or send me into a panic. You're like, ah, not that big of a deal. You know, uh, one of the conversations (laughs) I vividly remember having, I don't even think I told you this, but you were telling me about how you let the kids kind of let their bedroom be their own domain and that Mm -hmm. if they didn't want to clean it they didn't have to clean that's your room as long as you kept the door shut Allie, I think I broke out into hives and had like a cold sweat because the (laughs) idea of letting the kids have their room be like a disaster as long as I don't have to see it or smell it that sent me into hives but you want to know something it released me Allie. it released me I gave Parker Mason who at the time was like a 14 year old boy that smelled like pickles and underarm and Axe body spray. So, like, I remember giving him a bottle of Febreze and an air fresher, and I just shut the door. It, Allie, what you did is liberate me. You liberate me. So, this project started as a passion project and data curating, and now is actually a how to. It's a manual. You don't just write a book, you really put a manual into women's hands, specifically around the topic of motherhood. And so, what is something that a mom, whether it's data or your life experience, um, what's something that a mom can do that maybe feels really overwhelmed and they don't feel like they're the healthiest version of themselves? Can you unpack a little bit of where do we begin? I'm feeling overwhelmed. I feel like I suck. I hate social media because that mom is waking up at 5 a.m. to drink her peptides and make bento lunch boxes for her kids <laughs> and her kids all match and they look perfect. And my God, how did they get that Christmas card to look so perfect where they all smiled on one, two, three, say cheese. Where do you begin, Allie? Okay. I want to give you somewhere to begin, but I want to back up a little bit. So when I was diving into all the data and I was surveying, I surveyed over a thousand women, right? And I wanted to know what has been the most helpful book on motherhood you've you've ever read. These are all women who are mothers. Almost no one said a book on motherhood. They all gave me parenting books. And they all left comments about how they felt worse at the end of reading that book than the beginning. Most of them said I couldn't even get through it or I regret reading it because it just made me feel like a failure. Okay, and I was like, this, this is our problem right here. Because women for decades have been hearing, you're doing this wrong, you need to do this better. Here's 10 ways to be Mm. a great mom. Don't do these three things or your kids will be screwed up forever. And I will tell you now that I have three grown ones Mm. and I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. Nobody has gone (laughs) to prison yet. Most of the little things do not matter. And I have the data from all of the research, this is 12 pages of footnotes in this book, to show most of the little decisions that we think are important with our kids, they really don't matter in the end. What time they're potty trained, doesn't matter. What age can you read, look at you, Bianca, doesn't matter. You know what I mean? (laughs) There's so many things that don't matter, but there is a whole industry made to make women feel bad and convince us every little thing matters. Normally, there's a financial benefit behind it to convince us that it matters. It's no wonder that the culture of motherhood is broken and that we feel so bad all the time. Really, the premise of this book is it's not so much what you do as a mom, it's who you are. That... For me, as a therapist who told me years ago, she said, you want your children to be emotionally healthy. You want your children to love the Lord, to give and be able to receive love. You want them to take personal responsibility, but your kids will never be emotionally healthier than you are living in your house. So instead of doing everything for your kids, work on you and the natural overflow of that will be a happier, healthier household. 
that was a game changer. So that's kind of the idea with this book that we go, hey, let's let's think about our spiritual health, our mental health, our relational health, our health with other people, and let the natural overflow of that be a happier, healthier home instead of worrying about like, should I be sitting around braiding my daughter's hair, teaching her Latin all day? It doesn't matter. What matters is how you're doing. That's what matters. I love that. I love that. I think um, when we think about, I'm thinking and mindful of a person who maybe doesn't have kids right now and they think that they're not, they don't have to prepare for parenting or they don't have to prepare for motherhood. The truth is that it begins now in your singleness. Right. If you don't get your singleness right, you won't get your marriage right. You don't get your marriage right. You'll never get parenting right. And so, well, no, and now we're speaking in absolutes and now I feel like one of those manuals that we're saying no to. (laughs) One of the things I wanted to flag is that you said there's 12 pages of footnotes and I don't want people to feel like it's an academic read. I think no. that how you're talking to us right now, I, I've read, I'm, I'm only halfway through the book, um, but have we're, how you're talking to us right now is really how you've made it just so simple and so practical for the, for the reader. Um, you also speak about uh, practical habits that help women the most, especially when it comes to parenting. And one of them you listed is a magic question habit. What's the difference between broken soundtracks and replaced soundtracks? Or what would you, what is your magic question habit? Okay, this is so good. It works for moms. It works for, you don't have to be a mom. It works for everybody. So what I've learned from coaching women is women, tell me if I'm wrong, have a tendency to never ask themselves, what do I need right now? (gasps) Right? Yeah. When was the last time you ever sat down and thought, what do I need right now? Let me just honor myself. No, never. In fact, when I've asked coaching clients, what do you need? The answer is, I don't, I don't even know. I, I don't know where to begin, right? Because we're always doing so much for other people. We're always so busy. So then I would start with my clients and move it down to, okay, if you don't know what you need, what do you need right now? Like in this moment. And sometimes it's a nap. Sometimes it's, you know, coffee with a friend. Sometimes it's shopping, whatever it is. It can be big. It can be little. But this magic question habit Mm. is for us to honor ourselves every day and go, what do I need right now? Because what happens is as women, we get in the habit of putting our needs on the shelf. We put our needs on the shelf and we withdraw from relationships. It makes it easier to feel depressed. It makes it easier to feel a little bit bitter and resentful in life. And everybody picks up on that around us. But to give ourselves permission to every day go, what do I need? Let me honor that. This isn't being selfish, this is being smart, because the healthiest version of me benefits every single person I'm around. That's a game changer in life. Yeah. Yeah. So for somebody that's out there that's kind of like struggling with identifying, because I, I, when you were talking about like, we don't, I don't even know where to begin, that, that, yeah. that narrative, if you were to be asked, like, what do you need? Um, so for someone out there that just feels like, I don't know what I need, how do I even begin to identify that? Can you speak to her? What's the passion handle that she can hold on to when identifying what it is that she needs? I think it's something as simple as just closing your eyes and like putting your hand on your chest and going, what do I need? And, and Mm -hmm. it may be a snack. It may be, (laughs) you know, it may be to watch a show. It may be to call your mom. It may be to call your sister, but something that's comforting in that moment. And sometimes we're so disconnected from our own desires. Sometimes it's talking to a counselor. Sometimes it's praying and saying, Lord, help me get in touch with my needs. Because for so many women, like you're saying, we're just so used to putting our needs on the shelf. And we go and go and go and wonder 
why we feel so zapped of energy and why we feel burnout. But we are going to be burnout if we're not taking care of ourselves. And it, and I think self-care has kind of been hijacked by the idea of pedicures and bubble baths. <laughs> but real self-care is conversations with, real, with friends. You know, it's, it's going for a walk. It is yeah. making sure that you're taking care of those little things every day that you need, whether it is um, spending time with a friend or making sure if you travel for work all the time, making sure that you're doing things to take care of yourself, whatever that looks like. So what I heard you say right now is eat a taco and call my mom. That's 100%. I, I don't know if anyone else heard that, but if they did, send us in a taco emoji when we post this on social media and let us know. <laughs> self-care isn't selfish and self-care isn't a bubble bath, but a taco. Amen. Okay. <laughs> so I alluded to this um, earlier, but I want us to kind of like camp out here. Um, yeah. You talk about broken soundtracks and replaced soundtracks. And I, yeah. I, I doubled up on those from like the magic question habit and I apologize because I really do want to separate them. Um, I remember vividly, oh gosh, we were, I, I don't know what state we were in, but I remember that we were seated at a table in a lounge area and you called me out on the things that I had allowed to just run in my head. And you didn't call me out in a nasty way, you know, but you called me out, or as I like to say, you called me up. Uh, some of the things that I was saying over myself, some of the negative thinking that I was thinking was very foreboding future. Yeah. Um, and you called me out. And so... I think before it became very in vogue to talk about mindsets and what we were thinking about, uh, can you talk to us about broken soundtracks and how to replace broken soundtracks? Yeah, I think I love the this concept of soundtracks. It's borrowed from my friend John Acuff. He has a great book about not overthinking, and he calls these automatic thoughts we have soundtracks. And I was like, soundtracks is such a perfect way to phrase that because we all have soundtracks that play in our head soundtracks that for some people are foreboding soundtracks that are you know I can't do this nothing ever works out for me and normally we pick up these soundtracks in our youth from whoever we're around teachers parents women pick them up a lot from their moms who picked up those broken soundtracks from their moms um, I've worked with quite a few women who have been afraid to move forward in their businesses or their lives because they believe these broken soundtracks like nothing ever works out for me or I can, I, I'm not the kind of person that does X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And when we go back in time and go, well, why? Like, where did this belief come from? How old were you when you started believing that? Most women can go, oh my gosh. I heard my mom say this over and over again. Or, you know, I remember in second grade, my teacher told me I wasn't the kind of person who could do this, and this has been with me. So it's really important to identify these automatic thoughts, these soundtracks that go through our head all the time, and replace them with some that are healthier. One of my um, clients, she went from always saying nothing ever works out for me to God is always working things out for me. Ooh. And I love God is always working things out for me. I have taken that as my sound, like it's on an index card. One of my kids has taken it and like we got a good parking spot the other day and he was like, God is always working things out for you. And I was like, yes, sir. And it's just, it's just having, having empathy and compassion for ourselves and noticing things. And when we notice a broken soundtrack, an automatic thought that plays, not beating ourselves up, not telling ourselves that we've done something wrong, but just have compassion for ourselves and go, oh, this is the soundtrack that plays. How can I replace this with a soundtrack that's honest and helpful? And a lot of time that, that's taking it to the Lord, going, what is true about me? What do you want me to know? 
and really praying through that and then replacing it intentionally. I've got God is always working things out for me on a post-it note in my bathroom. Like I said, it's an index card on my car. I probably say it every day. But what a better thing to say. I, I literally, I'm like listening to you right now and I don't think I've necessarily like pulled it out and made it as succinct like that, but I do... Uh, I always say that God is able. I feel like faith in this season of my life has to always be at the forefront because there's so many things that, like, we're just, you know, as a church planner, as a stepmom, as a wife, there's just so many things that really feel overwhelming. So my, my, my statement, if you will, is God is able. God is able. Yeah. And it's really, as I'm listening to you, I'm realizing, oh, wait, because my soundtrack was I'm not enough. Yeah. And it really doesn't matter if I'm enough if my God is able. So That's right. Okay, so tell me yours again. God is working. God is out. always working things out for me. God is all Okay, Romans 8, 28. <laughs> I see you. Yes. Yes. Okay. So um, I am going to tap into your mother's side, if you will, for a okay. second and get some um, some continued parent parental coaching because I think even from the last decade of learning how you mom so well and, um, again, never calming out but always encouraging me to think differently uh, sometimes I really wrestle with, uh, granted, I'm a stepmom, um, but I still hold so many of like motherly responsibilities and duties. You use yeah. a term in your book called the mother load. What does that mean for anyone listening to that? Um, when we speak about motherhood burnout, the phrase the mother load comes up. Talk to me a little bit about that and how did you get to that phrase that I love? Okay, I love it. So a lot of us have heard the term mental load. And mental load is all the emotional weight and responsibilities that we carry. It is, it is when has the dog been to the vet? And did I get my mother-in-law a present? And what's the due date at, uh, with, at work? And when was the last time the carpets have been cleaned? And, you know, if you have kids, who's getting the teacher gift? And, who's, and when was the last time everyone's been to the dentist? All those things. Um, Wait, for no, you, hold on. Can I, can I tell them myself? Please Allie, do. Tell me about Wednesday your mental load. And today's Wednesday. And since Monday, I have asked every single one of those questions. My mother-in-law's birthday is next month. <laughs> I'm like, did we get her a present? I'm like, oh God, when was the last time the carpets were cleaned? I literally have to take Richie to the vet. So Allie, yeah. it's like you are in my literal brain. Continue yeah. on and talk to me about the mother load. The mental load is crazy. And then you combine the mental load with kids. And I say yeah. it's the mother load because it's everything. Because it's waking up in the middle of the night going, when was the last time everyone went to the dentist? And did Richie have heartworm pills this month? I mean, am I, and it, it is enough to drive women crazy. And so I really wanted to give women some resources on how to manage it. So the number one's communication, like coming down to even scripts, like here's how to talk to your partner. Here's how to talk to other people in your life. And give women permission not to do everything on their own. Because what happens is we just, we... We have responsibilities. We put them on our shoulders. More responsibilities come up. We don't even think about passing it out to other people and delegating. We just pile more on our shoulders. And we wonder why we walk around exhausted all the time. Mm. So I want to give women language to use to go, hey, here's what I need done. Here's what I would like for you to do. Voila. And a lot of times, especially with partners, you just have to ask. And the guys in our life go, oh, okay, you need that done. You know, it's really that simple. And... A lot of it comes down to lowering our standards temporarily. Case in point, bedrooms. That's a curse word, Allie. Bedrooms. Bedrooms. Now, how did I get away with not making those children clean their rooms? They didn't take food in their rooms. But they could okay. be as gross as they wanted. And every once in a while, you know, a couple times a year, they had to clean it out. My cousin, every time I go stay with her, even though she had a million kids, I had a million kids. You know when you stay with a relative, you would do something nice like load a dishwasher, right? 
That's what yeah. you would do if you're at your sister's house. Yeah. I knew not to touch that dishwasher because she is the only one who could do it correctly in her home. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, her I married go, one, Allie. I married yeah. one, yes. Her husband uh-huh. would go, oh, don't touch the dishwasher. I don't touch it because I can't do it right. <laughs> And she kind of made a situation for herself where she was the only person who could do it, but she was mad that nobody else did it her way. And I was like, you're never going to have help if it has to be perfect. So sometimes we got to go, there's so much to do. There's so much load (laughs) to go around. How do I, how do I just go? It doesn't have to be perfect. Let's just, let's get it done. Let's keep the main thing, the main thing and not worry about the little things. That's been the game changer for me. So what I'm hearing, and I need someone to hear, is that if you want it done your way and it has to be perfect, you're never going to have help, so you can't complain if you don't have help, but you need it, okay? Exactly. I'm I'm walking away with that. That is for sure. So um, listen, I know that there's somebody out there that is their interest is peaked and they're excited, but now I want you to speak with a sense of hope. For somebody who does feel like whether they are um, married or single, whether they're a mom or mom-to-be or not a mom yet, or maybe you have no desire to be a mom. I want you to speak to the woman out there that is wrestling with stepping into a new season with identity in your new book, Remaining You While Raising Them. It's about holding on to who you are while raising your children, but I think that applies to those that are stepping into a new job. How do you remain you while working in this environment? How do you remain you while dealing with your in-laws? For the woman out there that's like trying to hold on to her identity in the, in the middle of a life change, yeah. what wisdom can you pour into that woman right now? Oh, that's such a good question. I think taking care of our emotional health And the way I define emotional health is our spiritual health, our mental health, Mm -hmm. and our relational health, our relationships with other people. So no matter what we're walking into, what kind of transition is happening, um, staying close to the Lord, um, honoring our mental health, asking that magic question of, Mm -hmm. hey, what do I need right now? Just a little bit of honoring ourselves every day, making sure we're taking care of ourselves. It goes a long way. And then our relational health. Um, We have a loneliness epidemic in this country, in this society right now. It's only been made worse in the last few years. So it it doesn't have to be huge. We don't have to completely change everything we're doing. A lot of us have busy lives. One of the tips I give in the book for women to bundle their friend time with everyday time. So we don't always have to have long lunches and go on vacations together, but if you can, please do. Uh, Two of my friends, they cook dinner together every Tuesday night. They put up iPads in their kitchen. They know at six o'clock every Tuesday night, they have on AirPods, they have their iPads, and they talk to each other while they cook dinner. It's their way to stay connected in the middle of a busy life. So just to continue taking care of your spiritual health, mental health, and relational health. Relational health is so important right now because it's our girlfriends who give us our happiest relationships according to research. So it could be, you can get a lot of meaning and deep joy from a spouse and a family, but our happiest friends, our happiest relationships are actually friendships because we're not bound by family relations. We're not bound by work. We're friends with people because we really love them and they make us wow. happy. So we can't, we can't let our thirties especially be the decade that friendships go to die. We need to continually be investing in them for our own happiness. Allie, that was fascinating. 
That was fascinating. Right? I, I didn't right? know that, but it makes sense. It totally makes sense. It's not mm-hmm. out of obligation. Um, it's it's literally out of yeah. love. I love that. I love that. Okay, Allie, I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of this book. I'm proud of the data. I'm proud of the heart behind it. You've really put your heart and soul into this project. I'm so excited for people to get Remaining You While Raising Them into their hands. There's a link in the show notes as well as incentives that you are giving to people who are pre-ordering the book. Right. Uh, for those that don't know, as an author, Pre-order is wildly important. And so when those pre-orders come in, then people know how many books to stock, whether in Barnes & Noble, Target, or Amazon. So anyone out there, yes, get the free resources and all that other stuff. But if you want to help an author, go and pre-order their book, get excited about it, and share this message. Ellie, this is your best book yet. I'm so proud of you. And I don't say this as a researcher, reading your work as a reader and you're a researcher. I see this because I've watched you as a mom. And not only did I endorse this book, I believe in you as a mom. You've helped me as a mom and also as a business owner and a woman. It is an honor to know you and it is an honor to cheer you on. I'm saying yes and amen for this resource to hit the world. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for your time. And I can't wait to see this book enter into the world. Thanks, friend. I told you Allie was practical. And because I'm wanting to be practical as well, I put some practical resources and links in the show notes so that you can get more information about Allie and her book. I love this woman. I believe that she walks with integrity and she lives by what she says. I can't wait for you to find out more information about the book, about who she is, and practical ways that you can help. She has a bunch of free resources that she loves giving away for people, and she also has a side business of coaching business entrepreneurs. Being a serial entrepreneur herself, she has built so many companies, assisted so many other companies, and now she wants to help other people do the same. You can get more information at AllieWorthington.com. Well, friends, I love you. Thank you for tuning in and listening. I'm so excited to continue on with this season on Resilience.